finish our collection of Bibles next Sunday, and they are boxed to be uh, shipped out with a special service on March 4th. We had about six Bibles brought two or three weeks ago from about 1964, 66, and it was just real interesting because they were found in a, in a location near the church and stamped on them, Kentwood Christian Church. And I thought it's interesting because as you look at the back of the pages, there's 12 pages for personal notes. 12 pages for personal notes. You buy a new Bible, you won't find that anymore. So it says to me that there was a time, and hopefully it's true of your life, that notes and study of God's Word is crucially and critically important to you. The very front, it has the inscription of Isaiah 40, verse 8, that says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. There is nothing more important in your life than your relationship to God through Jesus Christ and His Holy Word in your hand and read and studied and put in your heart. There is nothing more important than that. That's why every Sunday, it's not a trite expression for me to say to you, stay close to the Lord and stay in His Word. Because it is His Word in our minds and our hearts that changes and transforms us into the image of His Son by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in a believer. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalm 15. And I thought it's appropriate to share one point of that text before we get into this lesson. But David says, Lord, who may sojourn to your temple? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and speaks the truth from his heart. This morning, I want to speak the truth from my heart on a beautiful topic of Scripture. But it is the truth from my heart as best as I've been able to line it up in the last 33 years of my ministry. And I want to set it before you as the enduring Word of God. I want to set it before you and encourage you, even challenge you, to have a high view of Scripture. Three times throughout the Bible, two in the Old Testament and one in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, we are reminded by both prophets and John the Revelator that God's people are not to add to or take away from His holy word, that His truth is given and it is the foundation. All Scripture is God-breathed and it comes from God It is inspired, and it is inerrant. And that's why Peter says that we all must understand that God worked in his people, his prophets, so that the Spirit would guide them in his word coming together. What is your view of the Bible? What is your view of the Holy Scriptures? Do you lay down... On them? Do you pour them into your spirit and your mind and your heart? Do you simply ask, value 
the Word of God above all other books, all other ideas, all other theories, all other beliefs. Because Jesus came as God's truth. And he said his word was truth. And in that, we hopefully can at least be convicted or challenged or excited inside to say the Bible is the word of God for mankind, all of mankind. And it has within it the power of salvation for the Jew and the Gentile. Because in the Holy Scriptures, a righteousness is revealed from God that is by faith from first to the very last. And so with that said, I must add here too, that you know as you live a little bit of life on this earth, you begin to realize that views you once held, you held in good faith, but as you experience life and live life and grow in knowledge and understanding, views can change. For example, it took me the longest time to sort of learn the lesson that when my children wanted to talk to me about something that was going on in their lives, they didn't want me to kick in to preacher mode. Maybe God used it sometimes. But my kids didn't even really want me to give my opinion. What they wanted was a dad that just would listen and hear what they had to say. And then, after they were able to get it all out, maybe a short word of encouragement or advice. I'm 56 years old, and I finally learned that at the age of 54. My son's 27, my daughter's 32. It's hard to stop being a parent. But my point is, I thought at the time that's what they needed, and I've learned after a long amount of time, being a little bit hard-headed, that it wasn't what they needed. So the point is, we learn and we grow. This morning, we get to talk about a Jesus story that is one of the most beautiful stories in the New Testament. It is the baptism of Jesus. And we're going to talk about some highlights of his baptism and his teaching. And I just pray that your spirit will be one that says... What does the Word of God say? Because we do live in a world where our culture really is hostile to God. It is anti-God. And we have a mixture of people, even in the church, that have so allowed the culture to impact their lives that the gospel and the Word of God begins to get watered down, and nothing means anything, really. Give you an example of that. A recent conversation that really was going to make fellowship or break fellowship. Patrick, do you believe that you can refer to God as she? That is big. Gender neutrality, Bibles being rewritten to gender neutrality, and I want to know what do you think, because I think you can refer to God as she. Do you? Oh, boy. You know, oh, boy. My response, God is spirit, 
He's neither she nor he. God is spirit. However, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, referred numerous times to the Father as Father, Heavenly Father, God our Father. And if it's good enough for my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to call him anything other than Father. Because Scripture speaks, and Scripture is truth. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow culture to guide what we think about anything. If there's not a thus saith the Lord, then keep that between yourself and God. On the discussion of baptism today, and Jesus' baptism specifically, there's going to be a lot of things that uh, you're not going to hear that you might want to hear because I have found in 33-plus years of this conversation that most of the discussion and most of the argument and most of the battling are the secondary questions, not the primary question. We, we argue and we battle and we break fellowship over secondary issues. But today... I'm only talking about the primary issue in Scripture regarding baptism as Jesus taught it. Now, that was a mouthful to get to the first passage of Scripture. John 14 said this, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples. I will not say much more to you. He's telling them that he's leaving the world and that he's going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And then he says, For the prince of this world, Satan, is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that, here is the reason in Jesus' mind and understanding that the prince of the world, Satan, was coming. So that the world may learn. Learn what about Jesus? That I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Now, there's a lot of great information there. The reason Satan was coming into the world that Jesus talked about was so that the world, mankind, could learn that Jesus loved his Father. And as a result, from loving the Father, he said it was his desire, goal, to be completely obedient to whatever God would have him do. To the degree that he says, the world must learn that I do exactly what the Father says or commands. And then he says to the disciples, come now, let us leave. Well, one thing that really pricks my heart in this passage of Scripture is to do exactly what the Father commanded. Because I know I've never done that. I've fallen short so many times of doing what the Father commands exactly that all I can do is fall on His mercy seat of grace and cling to the foot of the cross and praise his name for transforming my life. But there's still the idea, the essence, that a follower of Jesus Christ who wants to be like the Lord himself will desire to hear what God says to them and choose in their heart and in their spirit and in their souls as best possible without making any excuses to do what the Lord has asked you to do. Amen? That's the point. That is the essence. And that is the high calling and the high view of Holy Scripture. If God says it, I want to do it. I don't want to argue about it. I don't want to fight about what happens if I don't do it this way. I don't even want to deal with what happens if I don't get it exactly right because I know what happens if I don't get it exactly right. I'm wrong. I'm a sinner saved by 
the grace of God, not by my perfect works. I don't know about you, but you better be glad that you're not saved by your works. You better be glad that you're saved by His mercy and grace through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. So do you have a desire in your heart? I'm asking this on a serious level because this is so important to you and your God. Do you have a desire in your heart not to be a legalist, but to desire to the best of your ability to do exactly out of love and obedience what your Lord has asked you to do? And I hope the answer is yes. So in Matthew chapter 3, we have the story of Jesus' baptism. We're going to look at Luke's version as well, but I wanted to sort of point this out later on today when you're home this afternoon. Look at it. Luke chapter 1 is the prophecy of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 2 is the birth of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ himself. Following Jesus Christ's birth into the world, we see Jesus the next time, not as a baby, but at the age of 12 in Jerusalem, surrounding himself with people of great learning, Pharisees, Sadducees, and he's discussing and asking questions. His parents, they don't know where he's at. They've been a journey a day away. They come back, they search for him for three days, and they finally find him and say, Son, why, why did you do this to us? He's driving us crazy. Jesus said, you know I had to be in my father's house. But the birth of Christ, John or Luke chapter 2, Jesus, 12 years old at the temple. Then Luke chapter 3, we have the baptism as Jesus as well. But here in Matthew, then Jesus came from Galilee, from Nazareth in Galilee, more specifically, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. John baptized people. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, and so he was called the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. See, the point is, John knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God. He knew that he was the Lamb of God later on, as we will see, because whenever John did baptize Jesus... The Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, comes down and lands on Jesus. And God had told John the Baptist, whoever you see that dove land on, that is the Son of God. It is confirmed. But John knows he is the Lamb of God. John doesn't want to baptize Jesus because his message has been, I am not worthy. He is greater than me. I'm not worthy to bend down and loosen his sandals. I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so for now. It is proper for us, the partnership as God is moving in John the Baptist's life and instructing Jesus to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So did Jesus have to be baptized to be saved? He's the Son of God. He's the Lamb without stain or blemish. He has no sin. He is God in the flesh. He's divine. He's both man and God. Did he have to be baptized to be saved? No. But as you can see, why was he baptized in his own words? To fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? To fulfill all righteousness. It means that Jesus had a deep, deep 
desire to do exactly everything that God was asking him to do. And whenever we do those things that God asks us to do, those right things, it is an act of fulfilling a righteousness. And so Jesus simply was surrendering and being obedient to what God was asking him to do. Whenever we surrender and are humble before God and obedient to him, that is fulfilling righteousness in his name. Not a work of salvation, but an act of obedience in surrender to the Lord's will. Now, we're not Jesus, and we have sin. Why was Jesus baptized? Yes, to be obedient completely to what the Father was asking him to do. That's what it means to fulfill all righteousness. But what else? Was it not an example to us? And the answer is yes, and we'll see that in subsequent texts that we look at, but yes. Baptism was given by the Lord as an example to his followers. So in Luke, we get a little more information when all the people were being baptized. John was out in that desert eating that honey and locusts dressed in that camel skin, wasn't preaching for profit, wasn't preaching for gain, was preaching the fiery words that God was giving him, that God had prepared for him before the creation of the world, and it was moving people to come into the Jordan River, all the people, and to be baptized. That is the power of the conviction of God's Word. I hear today, well, let's make the seats more comfortable. Let's make sure that people, when they sit down, you know, they're just really comfortable. Let's make sure we get the air right. Let's get the lights right. Let's make sure the screens look really good. we got to work on that one. But uh, that will... That will move the church. That will grow the church. I want to tell you something. Look at John the Baptist used by God, and the Scriptures tell us there's not a greater man since John the Baptist other than Jesus Christ. And John said to people, Why in the world are you coming to be baptized? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath of God? Well, that's sort of a different angle. instead of just going into the water and thinking that's going to do to the trick, you need to start sharing because you're selfish. That's how you repent. And you need to quit cheating and extorting people, soldiers. That's how you need to repent. Don't think just going into the water is going to make you right with God. Your life has to change. That was John the Baptist's teaching. Hard, fiery, Spirit-filled, and it was moving people to be baptized. Jesus was baptized too. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now tell me that's not a beautiful picture. Jesus coming from Nazareth of Galilee. He's seen John the Baptist a few days. Behold the Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God. And now he enters the water with John the Baptist. And John's like, oh man, I know who you are. You want me to baptize? You know, you better baptize me. Well, it's not who's the most holy, John. It's about what work God is doing. Okay, I'll baptize you. And John baptizes Jesus. And Jesus is coming up out of the water. The Holy Spirit, a dove, a dove comes down. And it is the Holy Spirit and it lands on him. I don't know where it lands on him, on his shoulder, on his head. I don't care, on his arm. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit of God lands on Jesus. And then we hear the voice from heaven. This is my Son, 
whom I love, with him I am well pleased. What greater words could the people of God hear God say to them, this is my daughter, with her I am well pleased. I love her. I love him. What did this statement, as heaven is being torn open, as God is speaking, having the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in this beautiful moment, God was pleased that Jesus Christ surrendered to his will in obedience. And you know, yet today, people have such a a high view of baptism, no view of baptism, somewhere it's important but doesn't really matter, and we just, we have so many views. What was Jesus' view? Near uh, the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, he ascends up into heaven. The last thing, as Jesus is ascending into heaven and telling his disciples, you stay in Jerusalem. You stay there because I'm sending the Holy Spirit that I promised. I'm not leaving you as orphans, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit in a mighty and powerful way last thing Jesus says is then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples we call this the great commission therefore go and make disciples now we know that we're not making the disciples what we know is we are going out and we're sharing Jesus and those people that come to the Lord that are surrendered to the Holy Spirit convicting them It is God who makes disciples. We are his hands and feet to share a message. So therefore, we go and make disciples, not just in Michigan, not just in the United States. We go worldwide of all nations. And what do we do? We baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you've got all three there, just like at Jesus' baptism. And this is Jesus' last word. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Well, what did he just command the disciples? Go, fulfill the Great Commission, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you teach those people to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I'm always going to be with you to the end of this world and the beginning of the new age in the heavenly kingdom. So, Jesus was baptized. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He was baptized to be completely obedient to the Father. He was baptized because he loved his Father, and as God saw that surrendered spirit, he said, that's my son. That's the son I love. With him, I am well pleased. Isn't that beautiful Jesus was baptized to begin his ministry here on earth at about the age of 33 that's how he started his ministry I want you to look at this passage of scripture because this is Peter This is after Jesus has ascended. This is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. And Peter was Jesus' disciple who was there when he ascended, who heard the Great Commission to go make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, Peter says, after preaching that the Jewish people had killed the Savior of the world, let all Israel be assured of this, 
God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? How would you like it? If it was directed at you and you were convicted, you killed Jesus. Which we all did because of our sin, but you crucified Jesus on the cross and you let a murderer go. You were so political with the Roman Empire to accomplish it. Look what you've done. And they're cut to the heart because that means they're convicted. What shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. There it is again. For the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as the text goes on, Peter says, This is a promise for all who are far off, all upon whom the Lord your God will call. So Jesus was baptized. It was an example. It was to fulfill all righteousness. It was to show complete obedience to God. It was to show that he wanted to do everything to the exact he, as he and only he could, to be obedient to the Father. And Jesus told the disciples, you go and carry out that same mission. Don't be legalistic about it. You call people like John the Baptist to make a decision to choose this day whom they're going to serve, but go into the water with the right heart and for the right reason, knowing that there needs to be a change that represents what is happening. And so that's what Peter did, and that's what Peter continued to do. And so it brings us back to this text here in John 14, where Jesus stresses to the people, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them, and we will make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. See, real love for the Lord demands our surrender, and it demands our obedience. It demands a heart that is crying out, Lord, what would you have me do? Not just on the day that you're struck, that you are a sinner, and that your sin played a part in his death, but Lord, what would you have me do today? What would you have me do tomorrow? Lord, I want to know your truth for my life so I can follow it the best I can in my imperfection, but to show you that I love you and I love your holy word, that it is a guide and a light to my path, and although everything else in this world will fade away as it burns away, your word, I know, will stand forever. Is that kind of spirit that you have in relationship to your Savior, Jesus Christ? In relationship to your God? Well, I hope so. I really hope so. So what are some facts? And before I go to the next slide, when I say what are some facts, this is where I speak again the truth from the heart. And I remind you that in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, a very powerful reminder of we are all accountable to God. Paul says the Berean people, the Berean Christians specifically, they were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they examined each and every day what Paul said to see if it was true. I've said the whole 12 years I've been here look in the Bible check it out don't just trust what I'm saying look see it in scripture see it in context 
let God's word speak. I don't want to speak in place of God. I want to speak for God. But I'm not perfect either, but I'm telling you, this is the truth for my heart, and these things may or may not be hard to hear, but I'm telling you the reality is they should be beautiful to hear because we all have things we can learn and grow in. These are facts that are absolute truths that are in Scripture. Jesus was baptized. Can I get an amen on that one? All right, that sort of eases me into these things. Why was he baptized? To be saved? No. As a sanctifying act of obedience to his Father's will. Sanctify means set apart. He set himself apart because God had set himself apart spiritually, but the setting of himself apart was in his desire and his choosing to obey the Father. That was his part. He was baptized as a sanctifying act of obedience to his Father's will. What believer would not want that for themselves? What believer would not want that for themselves? Jesus commanded his followers to be baptized. Commanded it. Didn't say if you feel like it. Didn't say, you know, if you're in just a better mood tomorrow. He commanded it. And just sort of an observation that I see, the reason that baptism is important, important to many is because they're not deeply convicted to be obedient to God's Word, or they simply don't know it. I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here. But you've got friends and you've got family. And some just don't know and some don't understand and some don't care and, and some are just taking so long and waiting. Well, you know, you, you can't get them in to the water just so you can check that off the list because that doesn't mean anything really if the heart's not right. Jesus commanded his followers to baptize. This is your Lord and Savior commanding. A believer's desire is to be obedient. That's the end. There's, there's no more questions, what if, what about. It's the end. If you love the Lord, your desire is to be obedient and to surrender and to set yourself apart in sanctification to the will of God. Jesus was baptized, and Jesus commanded his followers to be baptized. Baptism is a sanctifying act of obedience for the forgiveness of sin. Just a beautiful concept where obedience and what God is doing in his setting us apart spiritually come crashing together. Where one ends and the other begins, you... you I have no idea. I just know that my Lord did it. He asked me to do it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to tell others, do it. It is a sanctifying act of obedience for the forgiveness of sin. Take a deep breath on this next one. and Give me a little chance. Baptism means immerse. It never means sprinkle or pour. And let me be more emphatic. And I mean this in deep humility, speaking the truth of my heart. Because I've looked at this at every angle possible, studied it for years, and I'm just telling you, the word baptized always, 100% of the time in Scripture, means to immerse. It never means, in regards to believers' baptism in the New Testament, to sprinkle. It never means to pour. There are Greek words for that, just like there's this Greek word, baptizo, which means to be buried, to be completely covered over. Now, we live in a world where some people are sprinkled, others are poured, and others are immersed. 
And the reality, I think, for me and what I feel like God has me saying to people that would listen is, are we going to embrace in our lives what God has asked us to do the way that God has asked us to do it, or are we going to say the way man has asked us to do something is okay? And so that, that's the, you know, everybody stands or falls before the Lord in their own trust and faith, and everybody knows if in their heart they are attempting and trying to do everything that Jesus has asked us to do. God spoke and he used words that mankind could understand so that we could follow him. And so someone, does it make a difference? Does it not make a difference? You know, I don't even argue that anymore. That's the secondary stuff that I was talking about. The primary stuff for me is, what does a word mean? The word means to immerse. And so baptism never means sprinkle or pour in the Bible. And that's why I've sort of set this all up to we desire to do exactly what God asks us to do because we want to be obedient and surrender like Jesus did. And we don't want to get into the secondary issues of what if, what about this, how, what did Jesus ask, what did Jesus do, and what do words mean? Baptized means immerse. It never means sprinkling or pouring. Check it out. Test me on it. And then ultimately whether you find that I'm right, which you will. Because, oh, I've wanted to find sprinkling and pouring, believe me. But it never means that. So when we stand for God, although we're saved by grace, I know for me, for me, I want to say, here's your imperfect son. But I did everything I could to the best of my ability and my imperfection. I can die in peace with that. You don't have a high view of Scripture in the really important things. What's going to happen when it gets to what we think are less important? We'll start calling God she. Baptism is for the believer who is convicted of sin. There are no teachings, not one example, nowhere in all of Scripture of an infant being baptized. Now that's, I just lay that before you. I get it. I, I get the mentality of why it's done. Uh, I did a wedding premarital counseling for a young lady and, and they were here for our baby dedication where we give a Bible and we sort of say we're going to do our best to help raise your child. You know, if you will bring them here and put them in Bible classes and we'll do our best but I just just want you to know because some of you may not know you may think well it's there this this couple like it's not there it's not there and there's a reason and a rationale why people do it but the scriptures teach those who hear those who believe those who can confess, those who are convicted in heart, those people, whatever age they may be, if they can go through that process and realize I'm a sinner and I'm making a personal decision that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and I choose to be baptized, that is the biblical picture of baptism. So I don't go off, well, what happens to the baby that's been sprinkled or poured and they think they've been what's the, are, that's a secondary question mine is to say to you or anyone that would come here to hear what I would say and care this is the biblical example of baptism a believing individual 
who's been touched and convicted by the Spirit of God, who can cry out within themselves, what do I need to do to be right with God because I'm a sinner, and that's heard this message and believes and receives Jesus in faith, God's grace comes rushing into their life. They are baptized willingly because their Savior did it, and He commanded it, and His church teaches it. But I remind you, this is primary stuff. So someone that's been baptized by sprinkling or pouring as an infant, what do you do? What do you do? You go to your father. You search the scriptures. And you say, God, do you have something else for me to learn? My grandmother was Catholic. And she always referred to herself as a cradle Catholic. And what she meant by that, she's always been a Catholic. And my dad grew up that way. And so later on in life, uh, my dad happened to be baptized according to the scriptures. But it's not our place to go, you know, Grandma, you didn't get it figured out. You were taught wrong as a child. You never really pursued the scriptures or that wasn't something that, that came to your mind and heart. So it had been nice if you could have been in heaven, but you're not going to be there. That makes baptism a work of salvation. And baptism is not a work of salvation. You cannot do enough good works. You can't repent hard enough, no matter how hard you squint your eyes when you're doing it. It's not a work. It's a sanctifying act in obedience to the Lord's will. Primary question. Were infants, babies, baptized in the Bible? No. Were infants, babies, baptized by sprinkling or pouring in the Bible? No. It's man-made with great intentions, but it's man-made. And I am deeply convicted that the Bible is to be pursued by His people high value and a deep love do everything to the best of our ability and to teach to the best of our ability what God is asking us to do and even then when we get it wrong thank God we're saved by grace through faith and not works so that no one can boast I think of Mark and Laura Anderson I don't know if Mark's up here now, but Laura's downstairs teaching our children. She's been a part of this church about eight years, and she was sprinkled as a baby. And yet, through just reading the scriptures and the, the steady teaching of this truth, her and her husband decided to be baptized according to the biblical example and picture because they wanted to the best of their ability to obey in all things. I'm going to... Oh, man, Matt. I guess we'll wrap up with a song. It's 12.02. All right. Three more things. This is what Scripture... This is what the Apostle Paul said about baptism. Baptism is the closing with Christ. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Boy, I want to be wrapped in Christ the way that he's asked me to be wrapped. Baptism is a spiritual circumcision. Sometimes we say baptism is symbolic. Like, it's just symbolic. Well, 
it's symbolic. We'll look at some symbolism here in a minute. But it's not just symbolic. Here is a literal spiritual thing that is happening at one's baptism. Paul says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. See, circumcision is a cutting away of the flesh and putting it off. But here it's a circumcision of the heart when you were circumcised by Christ. Now we might ask, when was I circumcised by Christ? Having been buried with Jesus in baptism in which you were also what? Raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And there is the symbolism of the literal word of immerse for the word baptized that you were buried and that you were raised. You were clothed with Christ and you were circumcised by Christ when you chose to be completely surrendered in baptism. Look at this. Baptism is a uniting with Christ. Do you not know? Now, this is probably 16 years after these people were baptized that Paul writes this. He says, do you not know this? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? There we start to identify. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism is important as it reflects a willingness to surrender to God and do whatever he asks in your life. And baptism is important because it is a reflection that your heart and your mind take of utmost importance his word as it speaks to this world and the world that will come way after we're gone and the world that came before us. Please accept this teaching as the truth from my heart. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you so choose to be baptized today, tomorrow, next week, following weeks, months, Know that the reason that you would do it is because God touches your heart and you want to obey Him as you see it in the Bible. May we all please stand together. Will our prayer teams come forward? Let us sing and worship the Lord as people respond to the movement of the Spirit. If you need prayers for your health, for something that you're going through, if you have a decision that you want to talk through, whatever it is, our prayer teams are there for you, and I am here for you as well. Let us worship the Lord. I know place. Where we can go to lay the troubles down eating in your soul I know a place where mercy flows Take the sin, make you whiter than the snow